0: M-S-W-Media. Thanks to Splendid Spoon for supporting the Daily Beans. Splendid Spoon sends delicious plant-based meals and snacks designed to fit into your busy schedule instead of taking time out of it. Go to splendidspoon.com dailybeans for $50 off your first box when you subscribe. And thanks to Thuma for supporting the Daily Beans. Create that feeling of checking into your favorite hotel at home with The Bed by Thuma. Go to thuma.co slash beans and use code beans to receive a $25 credit towards your purchase of the bed, plus free shipping in the continental United States.
1: Hello!
0: Welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, August 9th, 2022, a day that will live in infamy. Today, the FBI has executed a raid on Donald Trump's residence at Mar-a-Lago in Florida. The Department of Justice alludes to possible criminal conspiracy indictments in their latest filing in the John Eastman case. Ahmaud Arbery's murderers have been sentenced to life in prison by the Department of Justice under hate crime statutes. The Trump real estate firm Cushman and Wakefield has handed over 36,000 documents to the New York Attorney General. Alex Jones's text messages have been handed over to the January 6th committee. The Michigan Attorney General is calling for a criminal investigation in a case involving a Trump backed opponent. And Rudy Giuliani has asked for a last minute delay of his Fulton County grand jury deposition, citing health issues. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg.
2: Look at that. It was like. You were close. so close. You were so very close with your seconds. There is a there's a like, lot of joy in the news
0: today. <laughs> it was like 59 seconds. Yeah, the hello was extra long today. Actually, can we queue up like some Miley Cyrus party in the USA maybe? Can we yeah. get that
2: Can we get that going cuz I just want to dance for a second. <laughs> And the FBI can sing, and we came in like a wrecking ball. (laughs) Party in the USA. All right,
0: man, I'm uh, this is probably like bigger than I've been able to wrap my head around yet. Um, This news about the raid at Mar-a-Lago, we're going to get into that at the top of the hot notes. But there's also so much news today. I actually have to give some headlines here in the discussion segment, including Trump real estate firm Cushman and Wakefield handing over 36,000 documents to the New York Attorney General Tish James. Remember, they were found in contempt and uh, they've been working on complying with that. And uh, they have purged their contempt now uh, with this document production, I believe. Also, Alex Jones, his text messages that his uh, attorneys accidentally sent over to the Sandy Hook lawyers Um, when they sent over his pretty much his entire phone into their discovery drop box. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) and then didn't respond properly with a with a privilege log within 10 days. So those became the lawyers, the Sandy Hook lawyers property, like free and clear. They've handed those over to the January 6th committee. They said they were also going to hand them over to the Justice Department. Not sure. Haven't confirmed that that's happened yet. And then Rudy, (laughs) <laughs> is supposed to appear Friday in a deposition of the Fulton County District Attorney's special grand jury down in Georgia to testify in their, in her investigation down there, be deposed there. At the last minute, he said, no, he's sick, he hasn't been cleared for, for flying. And so uh, the Fulton County District Attorney, Fannie Willis, like, turned in a bunch of photos of him traveling last week, like, having a great time, and and that he paid cash for tickets to Rome and Italy and uh, like sw- like all these flights to foreign countries. And, you know, cause he's, he's not swimming. So those are flights and he says he can't fly anywhere, but he bought all those tickets, but didn't travel, which makes me wonder if he's trying to like flee to Rome or something.
2: Yeah. And hangovers aren't sick. Like if you're hungover, you can't be like, I, I don't, I'm sick. I don't feel good. I can't, yeah. I can't go to Georgia.
0: But he did have a, a stent put in. And so, you know, they're saying that that he can't fly because of that. So Fonnie Willis said that she'd be happy to buy him a bus ticket. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, because he's like, she wants me to be there in person and I can't fly yet. I'm not cleared for flying. And so she's like, I'll buy you a train ticket or a bus ticket, bro. I'll I'll chip in for it. Let's start a GoFundMe. Yeah. So anyway, that's all the stuff that's that. Those are like huge giant stories that also happened today that aren't that you know aren't going to make it into the hot notes uh that's how big the news day is today and uh, later in the show i'm going to be talking with andy kroll author of death on w street the murder of seth rich and the age of conspiracy absolutely incredible book it's available for pre-order now pick it up it's called death on w street by andy kroll so i'll be talking with him later in the show and then of course we'll have the good news but oh my god can we please hit the hot notes hot notes I feel like this is some shit we've been waiting for for like
2: six years. <laughs> I mean, it's just I and I I think I told you this and I tweeted. I haven't been able to stop laugh, laughing since you tweeted. and You text me and said Mar-a-Lago was just raided by the FBI. I started giggling and it hasn't stopped since. Yeah. As we are
0: recording this show, this is breaking news. It's just dropped. It's a developing story. Trump's residence at Mar-a-Lago in Florida has been raided by the FBI. First reported by a local Florida journalist who I retweeted then confirmed by CNN, New York Times, MSNBC, Caitlin Collins, etc.
2: And Trump himself. <laughs> yeah.
0: and Well, that's who's, who's, who's confirming it to these networks. All the major news networks are corroborating this story. Here's Trump's statement. These are dark times for our nation. Is my beautiful home. It's not beautiful. Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida is currently under siege. He says it's under siege. Uh, raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. I wish we had video of this. I really oh, me do. too. Nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States before. And it hasn't now. Cause you're not the president of the United States after working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies. It's an outrage on my home. That's it's a not necessary or appropriate. And that's what made me think that this had to, I, I was like, this has to do with those 15 boxes, right? Cause he, he's, he talks about how he's cooperated with the relevant government agencies. And he said that multiple times when uh, all the news started breaking that he stole 15 boxes of top secret documents from the White House. He calls this prosecutorial misconduct, weaponization of the justice system, although the White House had no idea that this was happening. They were (laughs) surprised today. So it's not political. Sorry, as much as you want it to be. It's an attack by radical left Democrats. No, no who desperately don't want me to run for president. That is also not true. We
2: really want you to run for president. Yeah, I think this was more the Republicans who desperately don't want you to run in 2024.
0: And then he says such an assault could only take place in a broken third world country. Sadly, America has now become one of those countries. Corrupt at every level, never seen before. They even broke into my safe, he said. (laughs) What is the difference between this and Watergate? where operatives broke into the Democratic National Committee. He compares this to Watergate. Here, in reverse, Democrats broken into the home of the 45th president of the United States. The political prosecution of President Donald J. Trump, always referring to himself in the third person, has been going on for years with the fully debunked Russia, Russia, Russia scam. Impeachment hoax, number one. Impeachment hoax, number two. He just lists all the things that he fucked up. (laughs) This is not the flex you think it is, my man. Oh, my God. And so much more. It just never ends. It's political targeting at the highest level. Hillary Clinton was allowed to delete an acid wash. 33,000 emails. Acid wash, like jeans. After they were subpoenaed by Congress, absolutely nothing happened to her. Okay. She even took antique furniture and other items from the White House. Oh my God, this is an amazing statement. I didn't read the whole thing. Yeah, that was um, they thought they they had been given gifts, but they were actually gifts given to the White House. So the White House and National Archives called them and like, hey, those were gifts. And they're like, oh, sorry. And they gave them back. It wasn't like <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like a fifty eight hundred dollar bottle of Japanese whiskey or anything or, you know, top secret documents. I stood up to America's bureaucratic corruption. I restored power to the people, people. I am truly delivered for our country like we've never seen before. The establishment hated it. Now they watch my endorsed candidates win big victories and see my dominance in all polls. They're trying to stop me and the Republican Party once more. The lawlessness, political persecution, witch hunt, witch hunt must be exposed and stopped. I will continue to fight for the great American people. So I, wow. I, I personally think that this has to do with the 15 boxes of top secret documents Donald took from the White House when he lost really badly in the election to Joe Biden, who won by a lot. And, you know, so you wonder, like, why don't you just subpoena him? And Ellie Honig tells CNN that's probably because no one thinks Donald would respond in good faith to a subpoena. You think? And that could be because maybe they're investigating him for telling people to ignore subpoenas as well. Who knows? But we will bring you more as we know. But that's where my beans are. It's about the 15 boxes. Give me the beans! And, Dana, this just in, right this second, the New York Times has confirmed the search is about the 15 boxes of documents. There you have it. For three sources familiar. And the search was around his personal office and personal quarters in his safe. And the raid lasted several hours, most of today. It started early this morning. We didn't hear about it until much, much later.
2: Well, I would skip the safe and go right to the toilet in his office.
0: <laughs> it's going to be... I've bought some Matthew Whitaker big dick toilets. I can flush many more documents
2: with the giant dick toilets in my home. I mean, the toilets, they don't flush anymore. You have to flush them two, three times to get <laughs> Well, That's because you're flushing to... Okay. Oh, man. We need more such water. Good... We need water. I cannot wait to see what happens with this. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, uh, now I'm moving on to an incredible woman also named Dana. Michigan's attorney general is requesting a special prosecutor to be named to investigate her Trump endorsed opponent, citing evidence tying him to a potentially criminal scheme to seize and tamper with voting machines. That's according to documents obtained by Politico. So it wasn't uh, Italy with satellites? I know. Isn't that shocking? It was Republicans. Oh, yeah. Yeah and we're going to investigate the shit out of them. The decision comes after a months-long investigation by Michigan State Police and the Attorney General, Dana Nessel, into voting machine breaches that took place in several Michigan counties. Now, that investigation unexpectedly led to Kalamazoo lawyer Matthew DiPerno, who former President Donald Trump has taken an outsized interest in, promoting to be Michigan's next Attorney General. My candidates are winning with huge
0: endorsements. This is political persecution.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Ag, according, and this is according to an August fifth petition from Nestle's office, requesting a special prosecutor, DePerno, in concert with two other people, quote, orchestrated a coordinated plan to gain access to voting tabulators that were illegally seized from county clerks. Uh oh. Yep, the petition was formally made to the Michigan Prosecuting Attorney's Coordinating Council, an autonomous state body. Now, in it, Nestle's office states that DePerno, who has been a pivotal figure promoting Trump's false allegations that the 2020 election was stolen, <laughs> was present. Was, was stealing. I know, was stealing. And uh, the present uh, at an Oakland County hotel room sometime early 2021. So during that meeting, tabulators were being tampered with. So according to people involved in the investigation, this is among multiple pieces of evidence. This isn't the only piece they have multiple pieces of evidence linking him, DePerno, to the breach of several voting machines. This is shit. It's, it's, they have evidence. Now, as it became evident that DiPerno was a subject of the investigation, <laughs> Nestle's office decided to request a special <laughs> prosecutor so as to try to avoid the appearance of, obviously, political motivation, and that's according to the request. <laughs>
0: I it's just have it in my head. Job. Like, the the you know, the Zoolander where the, the files are in the computer, and they're like, Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> the 2001 space oddity is happening, and he throws the computer to get the files out from inside the computer. That's what I imagine DiPerno doing in that hotel room. Let's get the
2: votes out. <laughs> <laughs> Just ham- with the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, I think AG has lost her mind and I'm enjoying every second of it. (laughs) Uh, This is what elation feels like. This is what elation feels like when there's a good news day and we're not in the good news block. All right, this is a quote. When this investigation began, there was not a conflict of interest. However, during the course of the investigation, facts were developed that DiPerno was one of the prime instigators of this conspiracy. And that's what the petition says. And it went on to say conflict arises when the prosecuting attorney has a personal interest, financial or emotional. In the litigation. And that's, again, from the petition. So DiPerno is set to formally receive the GOP nomination for attorney general later this month after winning the endorsement of the party delegates last April. Mm. Now, Michigan's law, it makes it a five-year felony. A five-year felony for a person to, quote, obtain undue possession, a voting machine used in an election. This guy, is, is he's looking at a five-year felony. And that's according to that he letter. He just obtained it. And he wants to be the attorney general. Of course (laughs) he does. That's the only way they're going to win these
0: states. Oh, okay. Let's see if I can pull it together. No, don't. I mean, who needs Uh, to at this point? In an extremely underreported story today that I was just hammering out as this whole fucking Mar-a-Lago raid was breaking, the Department of Justice... Namely, Matt Graves, who is the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia, and Thomas Wyndham, who is the guy they brought in to lead, you know, the the suits part of the Boots and Suits investigations. They submitted a filing to the court rejecting John Eastman's motion to have his phone returned to him. I want my phone back, you guys. I want you you to have all the stuff. I want all the stuff on my phone back. And if you made copies, I want you to destroy all that. Now. I have read a lot of Department of Justice filings, as you know, a lot. And this one stands out because it alludes to potential future criminal indictments. And it hints at the scope and type of investigation and possible crimes that the Department of Justice is investigating without really saying it. It's almost like Graves and Wyndham are like, you know, a lot of times, Dana, they'll put out a speaking indictment, like when they indicted Gates or Manafort during the Mueller investigation. And they gave all these details about the crimes they committed. So we so we learn what happened. It's called a speaking indictment. This was like a speaking court filing because it didn't go on to say those things directly, but it sure did hint at it. Most important thing I read in the 24 page filing is Graves and Wyndham's response to Eastman's argument that the Department of Justice Office of Inspector General executed the search warrant. Remember when we talked about that, that there was OIG Absolutely. agents that, mm-hmm. that seized his phone and also Clark's and I was like that's weird why is the OIG doing this and uh Eastman said that the Department of Justice Office of Inspector General doesn't have jurisdiction over me Eastman says hey uh, uh, the OIG can only investigate current and former DOJ officials I've never worked at the DOJ so give me my phone back but the response to that argument is fucking epic here's what Graves and Wyndham say assuming That an agent from the U.S. Department of Justice's Office of Inspector General obtained the warrant. Eastman says that the Office of Inspector General, quote, has outstripped its mandate by targeting a person outside of the Department of Justice and has no jurisdiction over me, Eastman. As support, the DOJ continues, Eastman cites that the DOJ OIG has authority to, quote, only investigate allegations of criminal wrongdoing or administrative misconduct by a person who is the head of an agency or component of the Department of Justice. Unquote. (laughs) He goes on to say, and this is what makes Graves and Wyndham badasses. They say, citing no relevant case law, (laughs) Eastman suggests (laughs) that such investigations cannot involve evidence obtained from a person outside of the DOJ. As a matter of common sense, he is incorrect. An investigation of wrongdoing by one individual routinely involves obtaining evidence from others, particularly in cases involving conspiracies. Whoops. Unquote. And nobody asked them. (laughs) Are you looking into conspiracy here? Nobody. They didn't. This isn't a citation of case law. Like, oh well, you know, in Butthole V Margot back in nineteen sixty-two, they say, you know, you you can look at the DOJ IG you can look at you. If you're, you know, if you're not working for the DOJ, because you could be involved in a conspiracy with somebody who's in the Department of Justice.
2: I really need to know what Kay's butthole v. Margo was. (laughs) I just made it up. I I know you (laughs) did. And now I want everyone who's listening to write in as what you think the plaintiffs and the defendants were in butthole v. Margo. (laughs) It's where Margo was wondering
0: what was inside your butthole. There you go. And she sang a song about it. So, yeah, absolutely nobody dot 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 doj this could be a conspiracy you know so we need to look (laughs) we need to look at people who are outside the department of justice who might have conspired you know for crimes with somebody who's in the doj so they just offered this information they never asked for this no one asked was like well is this a conspiracy why am i you know so the doj actually mentions indictments a few times seven times to be exact in this filing quote, Eastman clearly seeks to prevent the government from using any of the materials to seek an indictment against him. Okay. All right. And they say the government is not precluded from using such property in seeking an indictment against Eastman. That's pretty... That, I've never heard them talk like this in a filing before. It's kind of turning me on. Another mention, quote, the mere threat of imminent indictment doesn't establish irreparable injury, because, you know, he's, he's saying, if you don't give me my phone back, I'll be irreparably harmed. Right. Like, just because you are facing imminent indictment. Does, and again, nobody asked them. Nobody asked them if he was going to be indicted. Also, once a movement has been indicted, an adequate legal remedy is available in the district court with jurisdiction over the indictment. And equitable jurisdiction is no longer necessary or proper. You can come and complain about it when we indict you is what they're saying. I paraphrase that last bit. And then also, at this pre indictment stage is what they call it. Not not this investigation. <laughs> okay. You're you're sheer basket indicted, motherfucker. The pre indictment stage, there's no legal basis to order return of evidence, let alone countenance the suppression of the fruits of authorized search warrants. To do so would essentially negate two search warrants issued by duly authorized courts of competent jurisdiction without allowing the government Use of the evidence or any arguments regarding exceptions to any purported errors within the warrant. And then they continue to say such an unprecedented purge, giving your phone back, would cause substantial detriment to the investigation as well as seriously impede any grand jury's use of the seized material in future charging decisions. So <laughs> it's like really interesting. You know, especially the part where you don't have to be a DOJ employee to be investigated by the inspector general of the DOJ. If you're part, as long as you're part of a conspiracy
2: with someone in the DOJ, we can do that. Amazing. We know you didn't ask us about that, but. But we're going to let you know. We're just going to let you know. And I decided butthole versus Margo has to do with mega plastics. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, there's something in there. The the butthole was like, that was a little too much. <laughs> Charismatic
0: mega plastics. I That's believe that right. was our January 5th, 2021. Oh, episode. yeah.
2: When you had your Simpsons episode where you we figured out everything that was about to happen in the country. Yeah. And you're like, nobody knows what this fucking crazy guy's capable of. And then oh. and we're about to find out. And this last story, as intense as it is, and I don't want to say it's just a serve because you can't bring someone back that should not have been murdered. With the father and son convicted of murdering Ahmad Arbery, they were both given an additional sentence of life in prison Monday on federal hate crimes charges, while their neighbor was sentenced to 35 years in prison. That neighbor is the one I believe that filmed it, thank God. Motherfucker. A judge also required that Travis McMichael, 36, Greg McMichael, 66, and William Roddy Bryan, 52, serve their sentences in state prison, not federal prison as had been requested by their attorneys. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is a quote, a young man is dead. Ahmaud Arbery will be forever 25. Mm. And what happened, a jury found, happened because he's black. That's That's U.S. District Judge Lisa Godby Wood. She said that during Greg McMichael's sentencing. What a statement, Ahmaud Arbery will forever be 25. And a jury found happened because he's black. And that's what the DOJ, that's what Merrick Garland and his Civil Rights Division... Absolutely. We're pushing. That's right. The men, Michaels and Brian, who are all white, we know this, they were found guilty in February on federal hate crimes charges in the killing of Arbery, a black man who was running in their neighborhood when the defendants confronted him in February 2020. They ran him down in a truck. The three men were convicted of all of the federal charges against them, including hate crimes, attempted kidnapping and the use of a firearm to commit a crime. Prosecutors sought life sentences for all three men. However, Godby Woods said she thought it was necessary to distinguish Brian from the McMichaels, in part because unlike his neighbors, he did not bring a gun with him when the men chased Arbery. This is a quote. It's not lost on the court that two men brought guns to that situation had their worst effect and you weren't one of them, she said. She added, however, that Brian was still deserving of an awfully long sentence. and Yes, he was. Went on to say by the time you serve your federal sentence, you'll be close to 90 years old. But again, Mr. Arbery never got a chance to be 26. Oh, God. I know. Fuck. I determined that the sentence imposed is a very lengthy summary, and it is one that has been earned. Very articulate, Judge. My goodness. Prosecutor, Prosecutor Tara Lyons called the sentencing hearings, quote, the end of that at least one chapter in an excruciatingly painful journey for Ahmaud Arbery's family for his community, and for an entire nation that has wept for Ahmad, The men were sentenced separately in back-to-back trials on Monday. Amy Lee Copeland, Travis McMichael's attorney, asked during his sentencing that the judge allow her client to serve his sentence in federal prison because she said he had received, quote, hundreds of threats that would probably be killed in state custody. A.J. Balbo, an attorney for Greg McMichael, told the judge he was medically, quote, not fit to serve his sentence in a state prison prosecution and members of Arbery's family asked that the McMichael serve their sentences in state prison. And that is exactly what they got. State prison. Yeah, that is what they got. And man, what a,
0: uh, what a powerful period on the end of that. Um, but it's, it's never over.
2: Nope.
0: And it's certainly not over for the Arbery family, who, as the judge said, he will never get to be 26. It's just super, so powerful. All right, thank you. Thank you for that story. Uh, we will have more right after the break. I'm going to be talking with the author Andy Kroll to discuss his book, Death on W Street The Murder of Seth Rich and the Age of Conspiracy. You don't want to miss that. We'll be back with the good news after that. Stay with us.
2: After these messages, will be right back.
0: Hey, y'all, I was recently able to give my whole house and my bedroom a delightful refresh. You know, the bedroom sometimes gets left behind when you remodel stuff. Most people focus on kitchens and bathrooms but I really wanted to do something wonderful in my bedroom. So I went to Thuma. Thuma practices an intentional less is more design philosophy for the bedroom with clean lines and subtle curves. They have these lifestyle enhancing details that are just beautiful. Uh, Thuma proves that simplicity is the truest form of sophistication. I bought the bed by Thuma, handcrafted from eco-friendly, high quality upcycled wood. It's beautiful. It's got unique variations in the natural grain It's got a minimalist design that features Japanese joinery, and it helps elevate any space. It's really supportive of your mattress. It's quiet, it's breathable, and it opens up the room. I love mine. It's fantastic. Made for how you live, the bed by Thuma is backed up with a lifetime warranty. It ships right to your door fast in three easy-to-maneuver boxes, and it only takes about five or so minutes to assemble without tools. I was easily able to build it myself. Along with the bed, Thuma offers other bedroom essentials to elevate the bed, They have the nightstand, the side table, and the tray. They all perfectly match and complement the bed. It's just absolutely beautiful stuff. Create that feeling of checking into your favorite boutique hotel suite, but at home with the bed by Thuma. And right now, go to thuma.co slash beans to receive a $25 credit towards your purchase of the bed, plus free shipping in the continental U.S. Go to thuma.co slash beans. That's T-H-U-M-A dot C-O slash beans for that $25 credit. And... When the weather is warm, I love to get out and explore, spend some time in the sun, go to Balboa Park. But it really zaps my energy, and that's why it's so important to refuel with really good food. With Splendid Spoon, you can enjoy clean, delicious, stress-free meals in just minutes. Splendid Spoon takes the work out of eating healthy by delivering ready-to-eat plant-based meals, smoothies, and juices right to your door. Lately, I've been using the orange hibiscus smoothie to beat the heat. It's brimming with heart-healthy antioxidants. It tastes amazing. It's so delicious. It's like sunshine in a bottle. And uh, splendid spoon meals are shipped right to your door, ready to enjoy in just minutes, and it fits into any schedule. And there's a meal plan for everyone. Every single meal is 100% plant-based, gluten-free, and GMO-free. With over 50 choices and a constantly rotating menu, there's always fresh things to try. It saves time and energy, and it's delicious. Stay well fueled this summer with splendid spoon. Get started today and save on an entire week of ready-made plant-based meals. Just go to splendidspoon.com/dailybeans for $50 off your first box. That's huge. When you subscribe, that's $50 off at splendidspoon.com slash dailybeans. Hey everybody, welcome back. I am happy today to be joined by an investigative reporter for ProPublica, author of A Death on W Street, The Murder of Seth Rich, and The Age of Conspiracy. Please welcome Andy Kroll. Hi, Andy.
1: Hey, it's great to be here.
0: It is so great to speak to you because this is a book that has been a long time coming and is the definitive story. Of Seth Rich, and and not just about his murder and the fallout from that, but the conspiracy theories and the way that the right used this information as propaganda to promote their you know their absolutely false theories on 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 the deep state and 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 things like that. I wanted to start off. First of all, tell us a little bit about your time at ProPublica, because absolutely an incredible organization, but then also how that sort of was subsumed into you wanting to write this book.
1: I've been writing about the intersection of politics and power and technology, big money for my entire decade plus career in journalism. As you mentioned, I write for ProPublica now. I've been here a couple of months fairly new to to the place. Before that, I was the Washington bureau chief for Rolling Stone magazine. That was a great gig, but ProPublica has always been this sort of shining tower of all that is good and wholesome about investigative journalism in this country. Uh, I've read their stuff for as long as I, I think as long as ProPublica has existed, to be honest. And so when the chance came to, to go to ProPublica, and to take a job there not just to be able to be there in the first place but to be writing about democracy the threats to it the sort of funders and enablers and whole ecosystem of conspiracy theorists laying siege to american democracy right now that was an offer that i could not I could not turn down now all of those themes and subjects that i just mentioned democracy power, conspiracy theories, our whole information ecosystem in America uh, are part of this new book of mine. But interestingly, that's not where the idea for the book came from. Uh, we're talking nearly five years ago is when I started down this path, when I had the idea to do a Death on W Street. But the origins of the book are actually quite personal. Seth Rich was a 27-year-old staffer for the Democratic Party here in Washington DC where I live when he was killed in the summer of 2016 I knew people who were friends with him we ran in similar social circles here in Washington I played on a crappy weekend rec soccer team that he also played on mm-hmm. uh, it was a team with a bunch of people from a polling firm he used to work on and they would have me you know fill in when they needed uh, extra bodies on the weekends when everyone else was too hung over to, to show up. And so in the summer of 2016, when Seth is murdered here in DC, there is really a sort of personal reaction I have at first. It is a, a, re- a reaction really of that's horrible. Gosh, like I knew that guy, my friends were messaging me about it. Can you believe this? And a little bit of a there, but for the grace of God, go I, because you know, who, who hasn't walked home late at night from a bar, maybe a little too late, um, like like Seth had. So it was really a personal start for me for this book. But what I found from there is that the story of Seth and what happened after his death, you know, really is sort of a through line for the last five, six crazy years in this country. And it gets to all these bigger questions and crises and dilemmas. But I didn't know that at first. At first, it was just a sort of a personal instinct of like, what is going on here? How did this happen? You know, I need to understand this because something bigger is going on and I need to figure it out.
0: Yeah. And start a little bit with what some of these, what were some of the bigger conspiracy theories that your research clearly debunked? And I mean, any, you know, any reasonable investigative reporter or even sort of kind of investigative reporter's research would debunk these conspiracy theories. And talk a little bit about the abs- the amount of research that went into this book. It's, a, it's mind-boggling.
1: The real main conspiracy theory thread as it relates to Seth Rich is that Seth was this whistleblower insider who was working at the DNC and was supposedly exposing some kind of corruption there. Uh, of the Clinton family, obviously Hillary Clinton was the Democratic nominee in 2016, and that Tetheridge was somehow trying to expose this nefarious information and was killed by the Clinton cabal for trying to surface whatever it was he was going to to surface. And there are, as you might imagine, rifts and variations, different flavors of this theory, there are some that say it was a Russian hit team that had taken taken out scare quotes Seth Rich. There are some flavors that it was uh, the deep state, the FBI, the CIA that you know saw him as some kind of insider threat and were ordered to take him out. Uh, there is also a vein that it was the gang MS-13. This is Marjorie Taylor Green's preferred flavor of the Setheridge conspiracy theory, a, a, a strain of this theory that she actively promoted in the years before she became a member of Congress, one of several members of Congress who have spouted a version of the Rich conspiracy theory. So there are multiple versions of it. I have spent the last five years up to my eyeballs in this world sifting through old Twitter threads, digging up old videos, interviewing anyone who ever knew Seth Rich, people that he worked with, people in Democratic politics, people in Republican politics. You know, I came to think of myself as a a, a social media archaeologist, almost, where every day I'd get up there and have my little brush, and I'd be sort of sweeping, brushing away, trying to piece back together how this unbelievable chain of events happened, this unbelievable sequence in which a young guy is killed here in D.C. Really, this is a tragic case of wrong place, wrong time, as happens in big cities all over the country all the time. And yet, somehow through this sequence of events, it becomes this international conspiracy theory. And for some people on the political right, a kind of article of faith right up there with PizzaGate and Stop the Steal and QAnon and I just had to go back and figure out how that happened, and it took years to do it and a lot of work and whole hard drives full of data, trying to keep it all in one place and, and and piece this thing back together.
0: Yeah, I can't even I like I can't begin to imagine the amount of of information, data, research, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, old internet archives and Twitter threads and Facebook posts and Instagram posts. I mean, it, it it's so. Wide ranging. I think what's most interesting to me is is how when one of these conspiracy theories pop up, how much of a person's life—not ours as as journalists, but like a a conspiracy theorist spreader, a YouTuber—gets poured into spending time down these rabbit holes. And like, how much more productive as a society we would be if these folks just had like regular jobs and were contributing to the tax (laughs) revenue, you know? Because it's a lot of work to be a conspiracy theorist. And what was sort of your sense of which of these folks knew they were bullshitting and which of these folks literally believed this? I mean, it seems like there's a couple of core leaders and this sort of works for most conspiracy theories that know it's bullshit and spread it. And we talked about I know we had seen uh, some information about uh, Manafort coming out where he had admitted in text messages that this was a conspiracy theory. And and that still didn't deter people because they get so ingrained in their beliefs that when you tell them you're falling for propaganda, much like a cult member, they dig their heels in harder. Did you sort of get a sense of how
1: many of, of these folks were just, I mean, suckers? Yeah. The interesting thing about doing the book and what I realized partway through that just pushed me forward more was that the Seth Rich saga brought up all the different sort of typologies here, the different categories of conspiracy theorists or political operatives, opportunists, grifters, you know, MAGA, true believers that glom onto, you know, a, a conspiracy theory that's, that is big in the culture. You know, I, what, what I saw in the Seth Rich story, you could apply again to QAnon, stop the steal. Pizzagate, the COVID denial, vax or anti-vax movement. So you saw true believers for sure—people who I could not find any reason why they would be spouting this nonsense about Seth Rich, other than that they believed that it was true through some swirling mix of distrust and paranoia and fear and sort of you know partisan antagonism. You had a group of opportunists, I would say, and I'll, I'll rattle off some names here that you know your listeners will know extremely well, Roger Stone.
2: Hmm.
1: He stoked this conspiracy theory repeatedly over a span of multiple years. Roger Stone knows better. Roger Stone is not a true believer, I think, in anything other than Roger Stone.
0: Yeah, true.
1: Roger Stone is doing this because he knows it serves the cause, his cause. And he did it at very specific moments in 2016 and 2017, where you knew he was doing it for partisan reasons. Steve Bannon, another one, Steve Bannon promoted this theory. Steve Bannon does not believe this. Steve Bannon is doing this, again, to support Trump, to support the cause, to advance his own interests. And then there's a whole nother really interesting group there's a, a guy in the book I write about. His name is uh, Matt Couch. These are people who came to see the Seth Rich conspiracy theory as you know, almost a business social media opportunity.
0: Sort of like how Alex Jones viewed the, the Sandy Hook shooting as a money-making opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's right. You look at people in this situation where You know, they are on Twitter, they're on Facebook, or nowadays True Social Getter, whatever platforms they've they've sort of been pushed off to. They are not only promoting these conspiracy theories and pushing what they're saying to the extreme as much as possible, but they are raising money on these crowdfunding platforms. They are selling t-shirts, they're selling hats, they're asking for subscriptions. There is a whole industrial complex that's built up around these. Big conspiracy theories. And, you know, this story, this book was a sort of case study of that, a way to sort of look at one conspiracy theory and see all of these different people and how they're sort of glomming onto it, kind of grabbing on for the ride and holding on. And in some cases, lining their pockets as well. So now I think that the the true believers definitely outnumber the operatives. And the moneymakers, but you've got them all across the spectrum. And you'll see this at any conspiracy theory you look at.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the, the amount of money made off of, of these lies is, is just it's mind blowing. And it's also sad when you think about these folks who are primed and prepped to want to believe things that support their internal beliefs without any basis. In fact, who fall for these things and then send their money in. I mean, we see it in all kinds of uh, of cults and conspiracy theories. And that's, that's just how these things grab hold is, you know, that confirmation bias that people are like, well, you know, I hate the Democrats. So this makes sense that they would do this. And then they incorporate into their, you put it in their pocket of conspiracy theories and, and move forward and, and spread those lies further. And you did a lot of research with Seth Rich's family as well. What is their sense of kind of how this took root and and wouldn't let go and still to this day hasn't let go?
1: I think I spent probably a few dozen hours at least talking to Seth Rich's parents, talking to his brother, Aaron, who, as I write in the book, was in his own way sort of sucked into the conspiratorial vortex. He had to file his own lawsuit trying to, to clear his name, talk to friends. Talk to colleagues. I think a big part of this whole debacle for them, tragedy for them, a double one really. Your your child is killed, and then his life and his death becomes this completely unrecognizable, insane thing afterward. You know, I think a big part of it for them is the uncertainty over who actually killed Seth. I mean, the police have said repeatedly that. His neighborhood had been plagued by robberies that matched the details of what we know happened with Seth, what the police have said happened with Seth. So there's not a lot of uh, mystery there from what the police say. But the fact that there is not a, a face and a name put on that, I think the parents believe that that is still a sort of way that a little bit of oxygen continues to go in and feed the conspiracy theory now more than six years later. And I think they believe that the sort of polarization and the way that people get information, whether it's from Facebook, whether it's from True Social, whether it's just from their you know friends, family, people who believe the same stuff they do, this sort of filter bubble issue, that they think that you know these factors are all kind of combining, and it was tragic bad luck that it was their son who became the focus of all this. I mean, what really drew me to their story was their decision to try to fight back. That is act three of the book is Joel and Mary Rich, Seth's parents, and then Aaron Rich, his brother, trying to use the justice system to fight viral conspiracy theories, to try to clear Seth's name, in Aaron's case, clear his own name, and to try to maybe create some kind of deterrence for hmm. not only the conspiracy theories in their lazy boy couch promoting these things. But in this case, Fox News, which was a huge promoter of the Seth Rich story uh, back in 2017 and trying to hold Fox accountable for what it said about Seth.
0: Yeah, and I'm hoping things like the Dominion lawsuits and the Alex Jones lawsuits and now the lawsuits against uh, Donald Trump for inciting the January 6th insurrection with the big lie on his conspiracy theories that are now allowed to go forward hopefully will have an impact a little bit on on some of that and i mean i mean it's it's a testament to the amount of conspiracy theories that are out there about seth rich that when you reached out to the podcast to to say hey i'm pro public got this new book seth rich blah 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 my first thought was huh. well, okay i need to look into this it, Is the family yeah. cool with this did the yeah. you know and i had a I had a lot of questions, you know, as Jesse Jesse the Body Ventura would say, because I I wanted to make sure that this wasn't somebody coming forward with a book about Seth Rich that was just going to feed conspiracy theories. And then of course, after, you know, doing some research, having the team do some research, looking at the book, looking at the reviews, I was like, okay, no, this is this is the correct side of of how to present the the facts in these cases. And and that's why I I was so excited to to speak to you today and and talk about this because this story needs to be told. It needs to be told definitively. And that's what this book does. And it's scary, confusing, heartfelt. There's so many there's so, facts and information, but it's also very emotional. And so I, I want to thank you for coming forward, being persistent and talking to me about this book, which I believe comes out September 9th, but is right now currently available for pre-order. And you're going to want to pre-order it so that you, you know, because it's going to sell out. It's going to be a bestseller and um, that this kind of information, this truth, these—that that is the antiseptic to conspiracy theories, isn't it?
1: That, that's that been my line all along. That's been my, I mean, when you talk about skepticism, hearing someone has a book about the Seth Rich story, wondering, is this legit? Did the family cooperate? I mean, that is a a, a question that I have encountered and answered for the last five years. And what I've really found, that has resonated with, whether it's members of Seth's family, friends of his, or people completely unrelated, but hear about this book, is the need to have truth counter this disinformation, to have facts, real reporting, real interviews, real research, doing that hard work to correct this really egregious wrong that has been done, not just against a guy, Seth Rich, who can't even answer his critics, but also his parents, his family, his memory, his legacy. So I always felt that facts and truth were the antidote, the antiseptic, as you so put it so well, to all the nonsense out there. And I, you know, I don't think you'll find a more complete, convincing, comprehensive version of that than this book.
0: Yeah. And it's just truly an incredible piece of investigative journalism. I mean five years worth of work to to, to bring facts to light and to Tamp down conspiracy theories. It's called A Death on W Street, The Murder of Seth Rich and The Age of Conspiracy. And the best thing that you can do to fight conspiracy theories and propaganda is to go and pre-order a copy of this book because when we show the people and we show the United States that the people are interested in the tr- the actual truth, not the truth, but you know, the actual truth, the facts about what happened. I think it sends a broader message to all conspiracy theorists who would would seek to profit on these kinds of awful, terrible conspiracy theories at the expense of human people and their families and their lives. And so I really encourage everybody to pick up a copy again, Death on W Street. I thank you so much, Andy Kroll, for for talking to me today about this. It's such an important piece of work.
1: It was a real pleasure. I, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on.
0: No worries. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's me. And as you know, I used to have trouble falling asleep. I couldn't stay asleep. I would wake up sore. I would feel groggy. I thought it was stress and anxiety and PTSD. But as it turns out, that was part of it. But most of it was that I was sleeping on a mattress made for somebody else. Who does that? So I went and I took the Helix online sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm bed. And it is the best mattress I've ever owned. There is a 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. It is such an amazing deal. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup now has 14 different mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. So go to helixsleep.com dailybeans, take the quiz, order the mattress that uh, is matched to you. It will come right to your door fast, shipped completely free, and you can start experiencing the best night's sleep of your life. As you know, Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And of course, multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine have recommended Helix as a go-to solution for sleep problems. Now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders, plus two free pillows for our listeners. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and uh, you're going to love it. It's helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? near good news good news and if you have any good news or confessions corrections anything you want to send in halloween photos what the mutt misheard song lyrics your favorite swears whatever you want to send in to us will be stories you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact and of course if you want to come see myself and steve pearson from how we win the how we win podcast and frangela and the midas touch boys and of course a men excuse me midas touch men and uh, Kathy Griffin, the inimitable Kathy Griffin at Largo in Los Angeles, August 22nd. You can do that by uh, going to howwewinlive.com. Every single dollar you spend on your ticket goes straight to candidates who need it in the midterms, and we're going to raise some money. I love it. It's going to be good. All right. First up from Paul, pronouns he and him. Dear Allison and Dana, I'd like to share a bit of good news. From over the past week, my wife and I flew out to Utah to be with my daughter and her partner for my daughter's white coat ceremony to mark the start of her medical education. Yes. Excellent. I had written you earlier in the year when my daughter was first accepted to medical school to share the good news, but also the trepidation about moving to less than friendly LGBTQ Utah. Member, hmm I do. Dana, Dana did much to assuage our fears and provided excellent resources. Thanks so much for that. My daughter and her partner spend the month of July before school started getting settled and getting used to their new home and its surroundings they have a beautiful townhouse overlooking utah valley with the help of a very nice young man in the rental office and some of her classmates from the area they found some nice restaurants a couple bars where they could play darts and drink decent beer as well as a nice drag brunch (laughs) also i love drag brunch my wife and i spent a week around the white coat ceremony with my daughter and her partner, seeing the area and going on hikes in the surrounding mountains. Not too strenuous on us old folks. (laughs) My daughter's partner had to fly back to Wisconsin to fulfill a military obligation. She's active duty Air Force, soon to be retiring. Dang, what a cool I know. Awesome couple. My goodness. So my wife is staying a couple more weeks, so my daughter does not have to be alone her first couple weeks of school. I flew home to Chicago to take care of our two kitties and to give them some concentrated mother-daughter time. I'm enclosing a picture of our student doctor Claire, we are so proud. Since no post is complete without a pet photo, pet pic, I'm enclosing a picture of Eloise and Luigi. Luigi is the tuxedo, of course he is. What is it with <laughs> we had a we had a tuxedo named Guido? Why? What? That's is amazing. It? Named after Father Guido Sarducci, actually doing what they do best on a hot summer day in Chicago. Thanks for all you do, the hard work that goes into providing the podcast as well as the rest of the MSW media empire. I do miss Dana when she's gone now and then, but I'm happy to know that she's out there sharing her immense talents and making the world a better place.
2: Thank you, Paul.
0: Also, day in, day out, Allison does such an amazing job with the news and lining up her super interesting guests at Daily Beans is an essential, fucking essential, part of the start of every day. Look at this beautiful doctor-to-be.
2: I know. Your daughter's eyes are gorgeous. I'm sure she gets them from you guys. This is awesome. She's so happy, too. I know. I know. that You could tell. Like, so
0: happy. White coats are sexy. Look at the kittens. Hello, Luigi. So, so Sweet. (laughs) So cute. Thank you for that. You want to take the next
2: couple? Sure. I'm happy to. Uh, here we go. This is from Casey. No pronouns given. Hello, AG and Dana. Glad Dana's back. Thank you. Here's a what the mutt. My grand dog Simba. Hint, he is not what he seems. Well, that's wow. not going to help us at all. Wow. He looks like a bit of a, a giraffe mixed that's with a, a- Very
0: long leg.: That's legs. a very
2: long legged dog. Okay. I'm seeing different pictures. I see a little bit of lab. I see Ridgeback. And maybe those look like back shepherd legs, but also sort of great Dane.y It's got a a Dane feel, but terrier ears. I
0: get a Dane feel in there for sure. And then, of course, a Chow Chow, maybe a husky. And a Chihuahua. (laughs) Yeah, we got to put something in there that makes no sense. Oh, wait, look at this next one. That looks like Lab. Yeah. All right, let's see. But maybe it's one of those like Andalorian
2: or Andalusian or whatever blood. Well, hound. there's a lot of things in here that I've never heard of. Great Pyrenees. <laughs> uh that of course we know, but I did not. I mean, they very skinny Pyrenees. A treeing walker coon hound. Okay, so
0: that's where I thought of the hound dogs. And a then. Catahoula the- leopard dog. That's what I was thinking of. I'm an
2: Andalusian, Andalorian. Th- that was on the tip of my tongue. Calahoo- <laughs> Catahoula <laughs> leopard dog. Right there. 8% super mutt, which I guarantee is, is everything, else tr- tr- everything else we just said. Everything else we just said. Yeah, for sure. Concur. All right. And I'll take this one Heather and uh, pronouns she and her. Heather. Hello, ladies. I'm a newish listener, and I wanted to share some good news. The other night, I worked my first campaign event that I helped plan for Derek Marshall, who's running for California's 23rd District. We had a meet and greet back to school supply drive. Nice. For the school district in town, as a fellow teacher, I thought this would be a great way to connect with the community while giving back. We had a successful turnout and brought in lots of donations for the teachers. By the way, Derek would be a great candidate to have on your Flip It Blues segment. We're doing our best to take down the democracy-denying incumbent Jay Obernolt. Hmm. I don't know if that's how you say Jay's last name, but it's got to be close. Thank you for all you do. You are the first thing we listen to each morning, and you give me hope in these dark days. By the way, I'm sending a pic of the donations and of Derek in front of our beautiful uh, Yucaipa, California Sunset, and that is gorgeous. Sunset, and Derek is adorable. That is a long-legged dude. It is a long legged dude. I bet he's part Pyrenees. Kuna. (laughs) (laughs) High five, my friend. (laughs) Oh man. No, all these donations, school supplies. I mean, the fact that they teachers even need donations infuriates me. Yeah, I know, but what a cool idea to combine a campaign
0: event with a fun drive for uh, school supplies. Fucking so cool. And Yukaipa is beautiful, and that's a gorgeous sunset. Derek Marshall. Yeah, if you can put me in touch with him, I totally have him on the Flip It Blue segment. Do it. All right, next up from uh, Pronoun She and Her, Anonymous. Hello, ladies of the beans. Here's a picture of my new happy place. Riding around town makes me feel like one less car vibe. It has five electric assist settings, 500-watt lithium battery. Betty Boop is a trike with fatty tires. Broke as hell, but happy to get out of the house more. So here's the bad news. Thumb surgery. It looks like trapezo- trapezectomy. Trapezectomy? On oh, my left hand. I Means no riding or driving for a while. I'll be doing the right hand in six months unless I chicken out. Oh, you got to do them both. Oh. Anyway, for now, I can ride down to the park and enjoy the free concerts. I listen religiously every day. So keep up the great job. We're going to celebrate something huge when Orange Banana Face goes to prison.
2: Oh, hell I don't yeah. know about
0: that, but he was rated as fuck today.
2: Oh, look at that beautiful bridge. I you know that is gorgeous. Well, much healing, fast healing to you. I hope it goes well. All right, this next one's from Alan, no pronouns given. Hashtag Team Beans, obligatory, long time, first time. I love that. Just wanted to send a thanks out for covering the news with the appropriate amount of disdain and disgust. (laughs) Perhaps ratings on the networks would be higher if they admitted that they were out of fucks to give as well. While there has been a fair amount of good news about, for me, nothing tops the Pact Act passage. Yes, Yes. as a disabled vet. Thank you for your service, Alan. As a disabled vet with claims stalled at 80%, the passage may be enough to fill the gap in my coverage. I'm only able to work about six months straight before an injury or mental health issue happens, and I'm back on the injured reserve for six more months. My pet tax is a recent addition to my home. A terrorist known as Lex, who plays from six oh six oh six to 1300, and that is definitely a military time. And from sixteen hundred to midnight, any perceived request for pets during that period is in fact a trap. <laughs> <laughs> Keep up the good work.
0: Zero six to thirteen and sixteen to midnight. Look at look at his legs. It's like oh, looking at the second pants. picture. Oh my goodness! So look at the murder murder mittens.
2: I know. My keyboard
0: baby. has seen some shit too. It's a little creamsicle so adorable thank you for that and uh thank you for your service alan and yeah i think you can get to 100 i think you get to 100 with the pact act that'd be impressive and amazing and well deserved last up from lynn the pronoun she and her dearest leguminati love your show no pets but I did use the AICrayon.com to create some pets for me. Oh, cool. Uh, this prompt was portrait of a dog dressed in a trench coat with a hat with space above the head, light background oil on canvas. <laughs> that is, ama- oh my God, oh my God.
2: These are fantastic.
0: Have you played with these, like the dolly or the- No. These are so fun, these little AI things. You could put like, like I put, um, <laughs> I put um, in the uh, Oval Office fight Like that Uh, big meeting that took place on December 18th. And it's just a bunch of fucking people beating the shit out of each other in the Oval Office. Oh, my God. That's (laughs) hilarious. Oh, look at this. How fun. Yeah, these are fun.
2: These are fantastic. Someone should paint these like
0: for real. Thanks for sending these in, Lynn. These are great. And hey, you know what? Everybody do the dolly thing or it's either dolly, D-A-L-L, Hyphen E or crayon, C R A I Y O N dot com. You tell it what to draw and it draws it for you. It's amazing. That's awesome. Send in your uh, versions to us. That'd be a new fun game. Send us your Dali and uh, we will uh, talk about it on the air. If you have anything to send in to us, do so at dailybeanspod.com. Don't forget to get your tickets to howwewinlive.com. For Largo in Los Angeles, August 22nd, me, Kathy Griffin, Midas Touch, Frangela, How We Win, Steve Pearson. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. We might even have some surprise guests.
2: I am so sorry to miss it. But yes, get tickets, go support. Any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here today on this Not raid to Mar-a-Lago do. Day? Not today. Actually, <sighs> I do have a final thought. Uh, if all the Beans listeners can just put out a, 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 a prayer, a thought, a love, whatever you believe in, just put a good one out there for, for health, um, for someone dear and near to me. Um, just, just a peacefulness. I would appreciate it. Sending them your way, my friend. Everybody got that. Thank you. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck else can happen. Oh my God. Hopefully something good. Maybe they're going to, maybe they'll raid Kushner. Like maybe we'll get them. just like Ivanka and Sharon. That would be amazing. I would say Rudy, but we already rated him like twice. I know, maybe (laughs) Junior's
0: Cocaine Palace. Oh, yeah, 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 perhaps. All right, uh, till tomorrow, everybody, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, and vote Blue over Q. I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hey, everyone. It's A.G. from Mueller, She Wrote, and The Daily Beans.
2: And Steve Pearson from the How We Win podcast.
0: We're bringing together some of our besties for a live super pod to raise money for the How We Win Fund and elect Democrats in November.
1: Featuring us, of course.
0: The hilarious Frangela duo.
1: Ben and Brett Mazellis from the Midas Touch podcast.
0: And the one and only Kathy Griffin.
2: Join us on Monday, August 22nd at Largo in Los Angeles. Go to HowWeWinLive.com and get your tickets now. That's
0: HowWeWinLive.com.